Uh, Matthew chapter 8, if you have your Bibles, Matthew chapter 8, we're going to read there, and we're going to read verse 5 in just a moment, but I was reading this story that I wanted to share, and it was about a 43-year-old man named Albert Jefferson in North Carolina, it wasn't too long ago, but during Christmas time, he was uh, stranded off the coast of North Carolina uh, for five days in freezing temperatures. It said that, the story says that he had gone out to uh, Pamlico Sound uh, to look for oysters on Christmas Eve, but his boat became locked in ice and he was unable to free, uh, to free it. A friend reported Jefferson missing late Christmas Eve when he didn't return to his home port uh, by sundown. The Coast Guard, along with the assistance of helicopters, uh, searched for him for 20 hours. Imagine that. For 20 hours they searched uh, for him And finding nothing, they had to suspend the search. After the ice broke up around his boat, he waited, the story says, ashore in 38-degree water for a quarter mile. He swam to a nearby island, and he banged a pot with a hammer until some hunters found him. And And here's what he said when asked how he survived this ordeal. He said, the only thing I could say is this. Anybody caught in that situation, he must maintain his calm, use the resources he's got and rely on, or put his full faith in Jesus that he will survive and come through. Here was this man that survived this harrowing ordeal, and he's giving glory. He's saying, my faith in Jesus is what pulled me through. And as we look here in Matthew chapter 8, verse 5, uh, we're going to read a few verses here. And I want to speak a message entitled, Because You Believed. Jesus says here in ver- uh, the Bible says here in verse 5, When Jesus returned to Capernaum, a Roman officer came and pleaded with him, Lord, my young servant lies in bed, paralyzed and in terrible pain. Jesus said, I will come and heal him. In verse 8, but the officer said, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come into my home. Just say the word from where you are, and my servant will be healed. I know this because I am under uh, the authority of my superior officers, and I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say, go, and they go, or come, and they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this, they do it. Verse 10, when Jesus heard this, he was amazed Turning to those who were following, following him, he said, I tell you the truth, I haven't seen faith like this in all Israel. And I tell you this, that many Gentiles will come from all over the world, from east and west, and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob at the feast of the kingdom of heaven. But many Israelites, those for whom the kingdom was prepared, will be thrown out into outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. In verse 13, And Jesus said to the Roman officer, Go back home. Because you believed, it has happened. And the young servant was healed the same hour. Bow your head with me this morning, if you would, as we agree in prayer. Father, we thank you for this blessed opportunity, Lord God, to come into your presence to worship you, O God. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for loving us, for the wonderful plan that you have for us, Father. And I pray that you would help us this morning, my God, to grasp what you're teaching us, Father God, that we would have more faith, that we would practice our faith, God. And we thank you for all that you're doing and all that you're going to do. We ask in Jesus' name. And we all say, Amen.
because you believed. Here in this passage, we see this centurion who was a Roman officer. He wasn't even Jewish. And he had enough faith to believe in Jesus where he could tell, he told Jesus, just say the word and my servant will be healed. You don't physically have to venture over there. You don't have to go there, but just say the word. He understood, he understood something so profound in the, in the supernatural and the spiritual that the word of God is all-powerful, that, that Jesus' authority is all-reaching, and as long as he said the word, wherever he was at, the miracle would come. See, the centurion, this Roman officer, was, he was believing for his servant. He had a need in his life. He was believing God for something, and he, he ventured out to find Jesus, and he just said, he said, just say the word, and I, I want to ask you this morning, what are you believing God for in your life? It's different for all of us. There may be some issues going on internally that you're believing God for breakthrough, or some external situation, some big decisions coming up, perhaps at work, or regarding your career, or some health issues you're facing right now, or loved ones are down and out, or they're, they're in a dire situation. We all have needs. And the question is, what are you believing God for? What am I believing God for? The fact is, there are hurting people all around us. There's a hurting world out there. People who have needs that are in, in tough situations, and sometimes we think we have it bad, but when we, we don't have to look too far to see the dire situations that many others are facing. There are many hurting people all around us. And I think the, of this centurion. He probably had many needs, many situations he was facing. Perhaps he had family situations. Perhaps he was facing some health issues. Perhaps he was hurting. Perhaps there were some campaigns that he had to, to believe for, but he saw the need in his servant's life. His servant, his young servant, says his young servant lies in bed, paralyzed and in terrible pain. There are people all around us, and I know we have needs. I know we have our issues and things that we're facing. That's why we're here letting God work on our lives, because we have issues and things that we need to deal with, praise God, that God's helping us with. But there are those around us that need help. Your loved ones, your coworkers. So you have the truth. I have the truth. And every day we experience the blessings of God. We look, we wake up, and we have our faith in Christ. But there are those that are around us that don't have that. And here was this Roman officer. He saw the need in his young servant's life, and he was concerned. He was concerned. See, this concern... I think needs to grip our heart for, for a lost and a dying world. We can't lose track and get so caught up in the fact, and, and I, I know we, we look forward to heaven and all that God's doing. We thank God for that. But there are many, 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 many others that God wants to also enter into heaven. Can you say amen? He loves you so much that he sent his son Jesus to die for you. But he loves the world so much that he sent his son Jesus to die for them too. And, and we have to reach out to them. The centurion was concerned. Are you concerned about your family's condition? About their state right now? How about your coworkers? Your loved ones? 
those people that we pass throughout our day, are, are you concerned enough to pray for them, to share the good news with them? The centurion was. And it blew Jesus away. He was so concerned for his young servant. Every day you and I have a blessed opportunity to be a, a light in this dark world. Can you say amen? Every day. We have such a great opportunity to be an example in this dark world to those that are hurting, that are suffering, that are confused. The world's afraid right now. The world's anxious. The world is dealing with anxiety. And we have the answer. We have the good news, church. And whether you speak that good news in, in words and you share that with them, or you carry yourself in a way that, that people see the change in your life and at work, they see that you're not so overly concerned or worried or afraid. You're cautious, you're careful, yes, but you're not letting anxiety and fear and worry rule your life. People see that. They take notice of that. Look at the headlines in this world. Look what's going on in media. Look what is being pushed. Look, look at everything being proclaimed out there. People are worried and afraid and are anxious. But you and I have the good news. And the Bible tells us that we don't have to fear. Can you say amen? We don't have to fear. Thank you, Jesus. Every day we have a chance to be a light in this dark world. Matthew 5, 14 and 15, Jesus says, you are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. You are the light of the world. You. You're the light of the world. You have the good news. Each and every one of us in this place tonight. This may be your first time here. Maybe your second, or you may have been here for years. But each and every one of us, because we know the truth... We have the good news to share with the world. Perhaps we tell the Lord, just like Moses said, Lord, I'm not eloquent of speech. Pick someone else to tell them. God says, no one else has your story. No one else has been what you've been through. No one else has your testimony. Your testimony is awesome, is powerful, and can minister to so many people. Your story is so powerful. Or perhaps we reply to the Lord like Jeremiah did and said, Lord, I'm too young. You're not too young. You're not too old. God's story in your life is a masterpiece. It's beautiful, and people are dying to hear it, church. People are dying to hear your story. Perhaps you've grown up here in church. People are dying to hear your story. Perhaps you just came in yesterday. People are dying to hear your story. You have the good news. We have the solution to this world, and it's Jesus. Jesus, who we know, who we love, who we follow, who every day we're learning more and more about. Can you say amen? But we have the good news. We have to understand that we're the solution to this world. Not us personally, but because we have Jesus. We have the answer. You have the answer for your coworkers, for those, those, uh, those classmates, perhaps in school, wherever you're at, for your family, you have the answer. So what are you believing God for? Who are you believing God for? The centurion was believing God for his young servant. Bring it to the Lord. 
your parents, your brothers, your sisters, your cousins, your aunts, your coworkers, those people that you pass each and every day, you have the answer. As we look in our text here, we see the willingness of Jesus, and, and we have to understand that he is willing. Jesus is willing to heal. Jesus is willing to save. Jesus is willing to redeem. And I got news for you, the people that perhaps you and I may have written, wrote off in our life, that, that they're too far gone, God has not writ, wrote, wrote them off. They're not too far gone for him. As long as they're alive, there's, there's uh, hope for them. He is willing. In verse 7, our text says, he says, I will come and heal him. Jesus didn't have to qualify who this person was, how far away it was, how much it was going to cost him, who this centurion was. He didn't ask, are you Jewish? Are you not Jewish? It didn't matter to Jesus. He said, I will come and heal him. It's the Lord's desire that the people that we interact with each and every day, those that are, that are not saved, that don't know Jesus, it's Jesus' desire to heal them, to save them, to touch their lives. He's willing. And I'll say he's more than willing. He's more than able to save them, to heal them, to redeem them, to deliver them, to change them. I've seen God do so many things in my life. I've seen God do so many things in other people's lives. But God never ceases to amaze me that, that he brings people in and he works on them. And I, even to this day, I look and I say, man, God is a miracle worker. God is a miracle worker. He's still changing lives. The stories I've heard, right, the stories you've heard, the, the people that you know that are sitting right next to you, what they've been through, where they've come from, they're redeemed, they're in their right mind. It's amazing. And that's the business that God is in, in changing lives, in touching lives. He still desires to do it with our loved ones and those that are lost around us. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. The Bible says, Now all glory to God who is able. He is able. Catch that. He is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. That is so profound to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in, Jesus, in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. You may have big dreams. You may have big desires, big prayer requests, big petitions. God is able to do that and so much more in your life. Can you say amen? God is able to redeem our loved ones. They're new, they're, and I say this again and again, that they're, they're not too far gone. There's still hope for them. Continue praying, continue believing, because why? He is willing. He's willing to bring that change. Do we remember why Jesus came in the first place? We look in four, uh, Luke chapter 4, 18 and 19, a scripture we recently read together. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he's anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free. That's his mission statement. That's what he's all about. And we have the good news. Some people out there, you know they don't step into church because they think that they're too bad. They think that, that they're too bound or, or, or too caught up in what they're doing. So all they need is someone to tell them that Jesus simply says, come as you are. 
Imagine that, such a simple statement found in the Word of God. It's not you, it's not me, it's found in God's Word. That can change someone's mind forever. Opening the doors of their lives and their hearts to come into the kingdom of God. Come as you are. See, they may think, God, I've heard it, God is mad at me. So what do they do? They run the other way. They, they, they think that they have to get things fixed up and they need to clean themselves up before they come in to the house of God. God's going to clean you and I up anyways. Can you say amen? Our righteousness is as filthy rags. And see, this is the gospel. This is the truth that the world needs to hear. Come as you are. God's going to do the work. God's going to get the glory. We can't do it on our, uh, by, by our own strength. God is going to get the glory. Come as you are. He is willing. He is able. God has a beautiful plan for each and every one of us. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. they are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. That word's for you. For those that are watching, that word's for you this morning. And the Lord knew what you did. He knew what trespasses you committed, what sins you committed. He knew the offenses that, you, that, that, that took place in your life. He knew the the crimes that, that took place. He knew all these things about you, about your life. And he's still gracious enough to proclaim this word to you and I. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. There are plans for good and not for disaster. To give you a future and a hope. It's not God's desire to see you crash and burn. It's not God's desire to see you go to hell. It's not God's desire to see your life destroyed because of drug abuse or alcohol abuse or because of different vices. It's not God's desire. God's desire is to give you a future and a hope and an expected end. That's the good news. I think of my story and how, how I got saved as a, as a teenager, and, and many of you have heard it, and I, it never gets old to me because I... I God bent over backwards. He reached out to me in so many ways to, to bring me into his kingdom. And it, it, all glory to him. He reached out. He reached out to me. A lost teenager just, just living my life and not knowing what direction to go and just day to day living my life. But Jesus had a plan for me. He reached out. He sent people to talk to me. He was working in my life. He sent, he sent uh, testimonies into my life where I had... First-hand accounts of seeing people's lives change. People's lives that I thought would never change, would never clean up, would never straighten out. And here they were sharing the good news of the gospel with me. Reading me these, these Bible stories that many of us learned in Sunday school. Stories that I'll never forget. God began working in my heart as a young child. Perhaps... The step of evangelism is for you to open up the scriptures with maybe those young ones in, in your family. Share the Bible stories with them. It will stick with them forever. You're planting the seed, and I've seen it accomplished in my life. God hearing my prayer, me asking him, Lord, save me. Him physically moving me from here to there and situations transpiring and taking place in my life. I could, I could sit here all day and explain to you how intricate it was as I look back, but it's the beautiful plan of God and how much he loved me. He reached out to me, and God is no respecter of persons, as I've said it before. As the Word of God says, 
So if he did it for me, he'll do it for you. He'll do it for your loved ones, for your family, for your friends, for those that you're believing God for. He is willing. He loves you. He loves me. And he loves those that that we come in contact with each and every day. Listen to this, Exodus 34, 14. The Bible says, You must worship no other gods, for the Lord, whose very name is Jealous, is a God who is jealous about his relationship with you. He's a jealous God. He wants you to call him. He wants you to look up to him, to seek him for your needs. To inquire with him through his word about what you should do, where you should go, about the decisions you should make. We're so quick to to get on the phone sometimes. We're so quick to send a text. We're so quick to get the opinions and thoughts of so many other people about these big decisions in our lives. But where is Jesus when it comes to those big decisions? Is Is he the first one you go to? We're all guilty of it. I'm guilty of this. He should be. Ask him. He'll speak to you through his Holy Spirit. He'll speak to you through the word of God. And yes, he may send someone with the, with the word for you, but he will speak to you. Go to him first. He's a jealous God. Imagine as a parent, I have three, three young children, and if they had a need and that they were going to the neighbor's house to ask for this, or they needed a dollar for this or that. They went to the neighbor, they went here, they went there. Or they needed some advice for their life, or they had a question. How would it make me feel if they weren't able to come to dad, to mom or dad to do it, but they went elsewhere? I feel jealous. I would feel jealous. Like, you're my son, you're my daughter, come to me. I, I have the answer for you. I can help you. I can provide for you. I can protect you. I'm the one. See, and that's how it is with our loving, our loving father. He's jealous for you because of his relationship. He wants his relationship with you intact. He desires relationship. In Matthew chapter 8 here in our text, in verse 8, but the officer said, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come into my home. Just say the word from where you are and my servant will be healed. Just say the word from where you are and my servant will be healed. God's word brings change. Can you say amen? God's word brings change. Just say the word from where you are, the centurion said. Just say the word from where you are. God's word will always bring, bring change. God's word brings change. It changes my life. It's changed my life again and again. And I think back when I was a teenager, I remember seeing my dad's life changed. Man, first powerful testimony in my life, who was going on his way to destruction, God changed him, and he began reading these stories to me. And you know what he told me? He said, read the word of God. Get into God's word. Read these stories. Read, read, read. He, he, he encouraged me to do that, and I picked up God's word, and I started to read it. And the, the scripture said that the word of God is living, is powerful, sharper than two, any two-edged sword. Have we heard that scripture, Right? It's powerful, it's living, it's alive. And God began dealing with me at 13, 14 years old about issues that I was going with, that I was dealing with. Why? Just because I opened the word of God and I started to read God's word and it became alive to me. Changed my life. 
See, all we need is God's word. He said, just speak the word. Speak the word. John 10.10. The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, my purpose is to give them a rich and a satisfying life. Share the word. Share the word with your coworkers. Share the word with your loved ones. Share the word with your brothers and sisters because it'll bring the change to this world. This centurion here, he had the faith and he understood that, the, that there was power in Jesus' word. So what are you going through? Jesus' word is sufficient for you. Your loved ones, they're afraid? Speak, speak the word of God to them. Your children, your coworkers, they're down and out. They're looking for an answer. Share the good news with them, the word of God. You're planting seeds there. Those seeds will sprout into fruits of repentance and salvation. And we know that Jesus is the word in John 1.1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. We know Jesus is the word, and that's what the world needs. We have to live the word. 2 Corinthians 3.2. You are our epistles written on our hearts, known and read by all men. We understand the Word of God. We read it. We eat the Word of God. Every single day we should be taking in God's Word. Right? We're on social media. We're reading news stories. We're watching media. We're watching games. All these things have their place. Fine. But God's Word, first and foremost, is a thing that will change our life and direct us. Something that we should always go to. You are epistle written in our hearts, known and read by all men. As you and I read the Word of God, as we live the Word of God, people are going to see that and they're going to be impacted by the change that's taking place in your life. You're going to be an example to them. Why? Because you're living the Word of God. It'll make a difference in their life. I've seen it again and again. I know you've seen it. They're waiting to hear the truth. And they're just waiting. Your neighbors, they're just waiting to hear the good news. And I know there's always more that we feel that we could know about God's Word, that more that we have to learn, right? We could disqualify ourselves because, oh, I don't know much about it. I don't know it. But whatever you know, share it. Whatever scriptures you know, share it. Address fear. Address the anxiety of this world with your coworkers, with your friends, with your family. You'll be a light in this dark world. They'll ask more questions. It'll open up doors of opportunity for you and I to, to share the good news with them. Why? Because they're thirsty. There's a drought out there. People are looking for hope. They're not finding it in the news. Isn't that right? Man, oh man, they're finding the opposite in media and all these things. In their social media feed, in their, in their news feed, they're finding all kinds of negativity. They're thirsty for, for good news, church. They're thirsty for the Word of God. They may not say it, but they need it. They need the Word of God. And you and I have the truth, church. We have the answer, and it's, it's Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 8, verse 26, if we could turn there. Acts 8.26. For the sake of time, this is a, it's a, a large passage, so I'm going to summarize it for you. Here was this instance here where this eunuch, this Ethiopian eunuch was 
uh, he traveled to Jerusalem to worship. And he was there reading the, the book of Isaiah, and, and the Lord's, an angel spoke to Philip. There in verse 26, as for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, go south down to the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candake, the queen of Ethiopia. And the story goes on to say that this eunuch was reading the book of Isaiah and Philip asked him, do you understand what you're reading? Verse 31, the man replied, how can I unless someone instructs me? That's a question for you and I, church. How can I unless someone instructs me? So then Philip, there's the, open, there's the open door for him to share the good news. And then in verse 35, it says, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. As they rode along, they came to some water. The eunuch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? Verse 38, jumping to 38, he ordered the carriage to stop, and they went down into the water. Philip baptized him. And we see the miracle there. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch never saw him again, but went on his way rejoicing. See, here was someone that needed the, the truth explained to him. He had the book of Isaiah. But here came Philip to, to, to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And that's, that's the responsibility that you and I have, church, in this world. There are many people, they may know a little bit about God. They may have learned something in Sunday school. But they need someone to share the good news to let them know that Jesus is the answer for their life, that Jesus can touch them, that Jesus can help them. If they're afraid, if they're worried, if they're dire, if, if there's any situation going on, Jesus is the answer. That's the news that we have, church. He replied, how can I unless someone instructs me? You don't need a degree. You don't need to have, need to have gone to seminary. You don't have to be in church for 20 years. What you know, the Lord will use it. You have the Word of God inside you, church. If you've been coming for any amount of time, the Word of God is preached here in this church, and if you've heard anything, any type of sermon up here, you have the Word of God. You have the good news, so share it. Share it. It's not meant for you to hoard. It's not meant for, for you and I to keep secret. We need to share it. It does no good for them if you don't share it. Share the good news with them. Philip told him the good news about Jesus. And there we see in our last portion of that scripture, the eunuch never saw him again, but went on his way rejoicing. That is the result, church, that will happen as you and I share the good news in this world. In my life, what hooked me was the word of God. Before I stepped foot in church, 14 years old, before I stepped foot in New Harvest, the Word of God was already working in my life. It was the Word of God. And it was all part of God's beautiful plan. I saw the testimony of a life changed by the power of the Word of God. And even as a kid, I knew something was different. I identified the change. See, we may think that, that even our children or our, young, or our young relatives or those young ones around us that they're not old enough to sense the change that's taking place, but they know what's going on. They see the change in your life, that there's something different about you. Share the word of God with them. It will forever change their life. And by doing that, you'll plant a seed in their life. It was the word of God that got me.
I began to pick it up. It was first explained to me, as Philip here explained to this eunuch, it was first explained. These Bible stories, I understood somewhat, and they were explained to me, and God began to do something more in my life. Then at the right time, it was God's plan for me to step into church and to take that relationship to the next level where discipleship could take place. It was all part of God's beautiful plan. I heard the preaching of the Word of God over the pulpit. And yet again, the Word of God continued to change my life. And then through conversations in the house of God, through divine relationships, divine appointed relationships, discipleship started to take place in my life. But where did it start for me? It all started with the Word of God. It all started with God's Word. A seed was planted so many years ago. And it started to sprout up. And there's a truth here in the scripture in 1 Corinthians 3, 7. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. See, God sent people to plant the seed. To, to plant the seed and to water it, to share good, good news in the right season. But in due season, in the right time, it's, it sprung forth into salvation in my life. And man, oh man, the things that God's done in my life, the places he's taken me, the things that my eyes have behold, the glory of God, I can't put it any other way. The lives I've seen change, the things he's done in my life personally, the blessings he's, the blessings he's given me, it all connects back to the word of God. It all relates to the word of God. It's because of his power, his glory, because he first loved me. Praise God for that. It's because of his word that I am here today. It's because of his word that I'm changed and that I'm forever being changed. Because I'm not there yet. I got so much more changing to take place, but it's God word, God's word working in my life. So what are you believing God for? Who are you believing God for? The things that we're dealing with, that we're facing, our hurts, our struggles, our situation, those are real, and, and God is concerned about those things, and he's working on those things. But what about those out there that don't even know Jesus yet? Who are you believing God for? What are you believing God for? Who are you believing God for? Understand that it's God's word that brings the change. And we understand that he is willing to bring that change in this world. As I close here in Ephesians, as the worship team makes their way up, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. This is a good news, church. He is more than able. And as we prepare here this morning to get into our salvation altar call here i want to share that god is able in your situation he's able to bring that change he's willing to bring that change perhaps you need deliverance in your life you're dealing with vices that are destroying you things that are hurting you the bible says he is able and he is willing so you may think that lord if i could just get rid of this vice if lord if you could just deliver me of this one thing I'll serve you forever. God desires to do that. But you know what else he desires to do? He desires to pour his love out on you. 
He desires to do that and then some. To deliver you from this and for that. Those other things that are destroying your life. God desires to bless you. To set your, your foot on a solid rock so that you won't be moved with every, every situation that comes against you. It's God's desire. He's willing and he's able. Willing to accomplish infinitely, infinitely more than we might ask or think. That's good news this morning, church. As we bow our heads this morning.